Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Amen. Are you happy today? Thank you for joining us. Thank you for with us uh, via live stream. Hey, our passage is going to come from the Gospel of John chapter 7. So if you want to begin to make your way there in your Bibles, feel free. Today we began a, a series, an Easter series, and I've titled my thoughts, Walking in God's Timing. How many are determined you want to walk in God's timing? Now, my, my aim this morning is to demonstrate the importance of God's timing and realizing our steps are ordered by the Lord. Your life is governed by a loving, compassionate God who's watching over you. You know, the Pharisees and religious rulers of Jesus' day had become, if you would, elitists in their pursuit of their religion. They had forgotten the heart of the matter. That is hearing God's voice and walking in his will. For Jesus, doing God's will and seeking and saving the lost was at the heart of all he did. That's why we are missional. That's why we put so much emphasis on, uh, on reaching others with the gospel of Christ because we believe that if one dies without knowing Jesus, then they go into eternity forever lost. But how many know Christ has come uh, to redeem the fallen? And we're getting ready to celebrate Easter. And that's what Easter is all about. One day, Jesus was having a discussion with, with an individual that came, and, and, and they actually asked Christ a question. What is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? You remember Jesus replied, you must love the Lord God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all your mind. This is the first, and it's the greatest commandment. And then he said something that probably shock those around him. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, the outflow of our love for God is to be love for others. It's a part of the Christian message. It's, a, it's at the heart of the Christian message. Missions. And as we enter this season of Easter, may we remember the cross. May we remember the burial and resurrection is for whosoever will. You know, Mark records this great story of Jesus calling his disciples. And, and he's calling one named Matthew. He's also referred to as Levi. And in the narrative, Levi asked Jesus and his his disciples, to come to his house for dinner. And Mark says this, not only did Jesus and his disciples come, but along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. 
And then he gives this parenthesis statement. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the religious leaders and Pharisees saw him eating with collectors or tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Now, it's really an audacious statement. You think, oh, my word. But notice, notice how a religious spirit does. They didn't go to Jesus and ask him. They went to his disciples. They went around. <laughs> we call that the gossip tree. <laughs> Come on. I'm about to preach here this morning. Can somebody say amen? Come on. Hey, first service, the only people that amen was my staff, and that's because they get a paycheck every week. <laughs> it really amazes me how the enemy works and how the spirit of the flesh works. They, they went to his disciples. They, instead of going directly to him, they, they, they went around to stir some things up. And the enemy is always trying to stir something up. Is he, is he not? We must remember the premise of the gospel is Jesus came to rescue the hurting and the perishing. At the heart of the gospel is the down and out. At the heart of the gospel is people, individuals, and we must never lose sight. We must never become so full of religion that we miss the heart of God, that we miss the heart of others, the hurting, the down and out, the outcast of society. You know, Jesus said this concerning himself, said, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And nothing speaks of this greater than Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. He headed to Jerusalem even knowing what would befall him there. Let's go to our passage in Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 1, reading out of the New Living Translation. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. Now, he wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders noticed they were plotting his death. So, so understand the atmosphere of the moment. Understand the climate, if you would. Uh, there was uh, vitriol. There was hatred. There was animosity. There was a spirit of murder, if you would. And notice what, he, what it says. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, his biological family, his, his brothers then said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. Now, notice John's commentary, for even his brothers did not believe in him. He's being prodded 
by his own family. He's being, he's being prodded and pushed by his own family. They did not even believe in him. If you're this such great miracle worker, then, then you need to go to Judea. You need to go on to Jerusalem. This is now your opportunity. And they're saying it with sarcasm. They're saying it not with belief, but disbelief. Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. I want to talk in just a few moments about Jesus speaking to them. says, your time is any time. You can go anywhere, any moment, because you're operating by a different system. Mode of opera, if you would. Uh, see, you're, you're living by a different set of rules. It's important to ask ourselves the question, by what rules are we living by? Are we living by the world rules or the kingdom rules? Jesus said, it's not my time yet, but it's always your, your time. Then verse 10 or verse 9, after saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowd. Some argued he's a good man, but others, he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. Notice verse 13, but no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish Leaders. Nobody was willing to stand up because they were afraid of what the powers that be might do. They were afraid to stand up and speak. They were afraid to declare. They were afraid to acknowledge. They were afraid to stand beside him. They were afraid to say, I believe he's a man of God. I believe he's sent for They were afraid because the Jewish leaders had the authority to excommunicate them from the synagogue, the temple worship, had the authority to counsel them out. It's almost as if John is writing today, is it not? It's almost as if John is writing to us at this moment. It causes all kind of questions. How far am I willing to go in my faith to Christ? Am I willing to go all the way? Am I willing to stand up though it may cost me? Am I willing to identify with him though others may ridicule me? Am I willing to stand beside him and say, I know him. He's my savior. I know him. He's the son of the living God. I know him because he's redeemed me. I know him and I love him and I live for him. Or are we afraid and being silenced? It's important. Do you recognize 
that God has a work for you to do. And you're walking in his timing for such a time as this. Take your notes out and you'll notice the very first point we're going to talk about, the enemy's intent. The enemy's intent is to destroy Christ. The enemy's intent is to wipe him out. The enemy's intent is to silence him. The enemy's intent is to put him to death. The Jewish leaders were plotting his death. Now, if you go back a couple chapters to chapter 5, you'll actually notice in verse 18, it describes the intense spiritual climate Jesus was ministering in. The religious community was plotting his death. They were trying to silence the Lamb of God. Verse 18 of chapter 5 says, So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, but he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. Write this under B. They're trying to silence the truth. Trying to silence the truth. There is a spirit of antichrist today that is trying to silence the truth trying to silence the church, trying to silence your voice, trying to silence the people of God, trying to silence the, 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 the ecclesia, the called out ones. But now is not the time to be silent. Now is the time to recognize your steps are ordered by the Lord and you're not living by the world's principles. You're living by kingdom principles. Can somebody say Amen. I want to give you a comment, write this. The religious community is all about quieting the truth for the sake of advancing their own agenda. For the sake of of advancing their own agenda. See, religion is about guarding the status quo, maintaining one's position or the position of a few. It's about guarding the rule, even over guarding the truth. See, the truth is regulated to the back burners. It's, it's, it's the rule that's more important. Let me tell you what's able to save our souls, the truth. Let me tell you what's able to take you through the fiery trial, the truth. Let me tell you what's able to comfort you when you lose a loved one, the truth. Let me tell you what's able to to strengthen you when you feel weak, the truth. Let me tell you what's able to be a companion with you when everybody around you is forsaking you, the truth. It's important that we learn to build our life upon the truth, the truth of Jesus Christ. So in verse 1, you see the plot. But church, when you are the remedy, when you are the answer, then the plot cannot have authority over you. Jesus was the remedy. Jesus was the answer. And in a very real way, you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth. In a very real way, you are the remedy to what's happening around us. You are the answer to what's happening around you. So when you are the remedy and the answer, the plot cannot have authority over you. See, Daniel wasn't concerned about the plot. Daniel was concerned about being faithful. Daniel was concerned about doing what he 
knew was right. Daniel was concerned about honoring his God. And church, we can't worry about the plot. We just got to worry about being faithful. I wish you'd help me preach today. We just got to worry about being faithful to what God tells us to do. Sometimes we get so caught up in the plot. Understand the plot doesn't have authority over you when you're walking in his plan, his purpose, his will. Jesus is the remedy. Jesus is the answer. As we read this, we're reminded of our own spiritual struggles. Secondly, I want you to notice his own family. His family was antagonistic toward him, prodding him, poking him. Casting all kind of disbelief on him, not believing in him. You know, sometimes we expect others not to believe in us, but somebody of our own household doesn't believe in us. It really hurts. It stings, does it not? They're antagonistic toward him. Carson, in his commentary, writes this. Jesus spent about a year in Galilee... And the year of ministry on which the synoptics focus most of their attention. And now it is starting to come to an end. And he writes this, like a general marching to the battle. Squirmishes break out along the way as Jesus is headed to the battle of all battles. Jesus begins his march toward the cross. And as he does so, the enemy intensifies his attacks. I think in a very real way, most believers would say there seems to be an intensity of the attack of the darkness upon the light. There seems to be an intensifying of an attack on uh, truth today. Well, just like the enemy was releasing all his minions and demonic forces and powers to distract Jesus from going to Jerusalem because the enemy knew if Jesus got to go to Jerusalem, then he would go to the cross. And the cross was going to be the battle of all battles. And Jesus was not going to back down. So he's trying to distract him. He's trying to get him off course because he knew that Jesus was going to go to the cross. Why is the enemy intensifying his attack in this day? Because I believe Jesus is getting ready to come at his second return. And the enemy is going to release all that he can to distract you, to get you off course, to get you sidetracked. Because just like I believe Christ is about to come back, I believe the Spirit of God is going to usher in a revival where the lost is going to be saved. And the enemy is trying his best to use any attack that he can to get the church sidetracked. So Jesus begins his march toward the cross. As he does, the enemy intensifies his attack. And we pick, on, pick up on such an attack. His brothers, those of his own household, they said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. 
Write this word down, rejection. Jesus was rejected on many levels. He experienced rejection on many levels for the sake of rescuing us from our sins. One of the hardest rejections, no doubt, had to come from his own family members. This was a part of the journey the Messiah was willing to walk to rescue you and I from the grip of darkness. He's rejected by his own blood, his brothers. Jesus' response reminds us of God's appointed time and making sure that we're walking in God's timing and not ours. Notice verse 6, Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. Notice that phrase, right time. Speaking of the appointed time, the specific time. This is very important, right? This God's timing. God has a timing for your life, a timing for you. What we learn from Jesus is the importance of God's timing, not our timing. The temptation his brothers were tempting him with was to do things in his own timing, to get ahead of God, to move in his own time and not the Father's time. And church, so often we mess things up by trying to get ahead of God. We move in our timing and not the appointed time. But in these perilous times, we've got to learn to be led by the Spirit. we got to learn not to try to get ahead of what God is doing, but to let God have his perfect work and to realize that there is an appointed time, that God's timetable is the most important. How many know timing is crucial? Timing is crucial. Timing is everything. You don't want the right thing at the wrong time. Timing is everything. You can say the right thing, but at the wrong time, and it becomes detrimental. It becomes hurtful. It becomes counterproductive. You can move when God says stand still, and you can miss the voice of God. Realize your steps are ordered by the Lord. Proverbs 20, verse 24 says, the Lord directs our steps. Psalm 37, verse 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. So Jesus is reminding us to remember your steps are ordered of the Lord. Don't just walk aimlessly through life thinking whatever will happen will happen. You are not governed by chance, by luck, or by happenstance. Your life is governed by a loving, compassionate, merciful God who has a plan and a purpose. So write that word purpose. Live with purpose in every step. Live life intentionally. And as we live life intentionally, those God moments will come. Quit hating your job and ask God to help you love your job. 
Quit hating going to work on Monday and Tuesday and start thanking God you've got a job to go to. Amen? And just, just what might happen is you might see some God opportunities around you and you might begin to realize that God has planted you there for this season for a particular purpose, for a particular person so they won't die and go to a devil's hell but they'll be able to spend eternity. See, your voice may matter in their life life. Live with intentionality. Live with purpose. Don't, don't regret where you're at at this moment. Let God show you what he's doing around you, but not only around you, but in you. Ooh, come on, somebody. We all love God to do something around us, but we don't like God doing something in us because doing something in us sometimes hurt. Doing something in us sometimes is uncomfortable. Doing something in us means I've got to change. It means I've got to surrender. It means I've got to die. But not only is God doing something around you, but he's doing something in you. Somebody better get a hold of this message today. Let me give you an important note. Don't give in to the temptation to get ahead of God and miss your Kairos moment, your appointed time. <laughs> now, there's the ebb and flow of time. There's the 24 hours a day, 60 minutes in, in every hour. A week and every month, a month and every year. There's that, there's the ebb and flow of time, but then there's those Kairos moments where you know that you know that you know God has placed you right there. That this is your season. This is your time. See, when your steps are being ordered by the Lord, you're not living aimlessly but you're living with purpose because you realize that today might be your Kairos moment that God uses you to lead somebody to him. Jesus told his brothers, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. Had you ever noticed the world hates it when you call right, right, and wrong, wrong? You ever noticed that? Now, notice what Jesus says. You can go anytime. The world can't hate you. It hates me because, because I'm calling out the evil. I'm calling out the wrong. Uh, you go on. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. This actually is a scathing indictment against his brothers. Jesus said, you can go anytime because it's always your time. In essence, he is saying, you're not living your life with a mission. You're not living your life on God-appointed timelines because you have not surrendered to his plan and to his mission for you. So, so you're walking step and step with the world. So the world can't ha hate you because you're a part of the world. But the world hates me because I'm not walking step and step with the world. He says, your time is any time because you're going with the flow. A great question to ask ourselves. Am I walking step and step 
with the world or am I walking step and step with God? Write this with number two, your mission. Your mission is not to walk step and step with society. Can I go as far even to say your mission is not even to be liked? Your mission is not even to be accepted. If acceptance is your goal, is to be liked is your goal. I think it's important that people accept you and like you, but if that is your goal, you'll find yourself compromising. You'll find yourself compromising truth when you really need to speak truth because you don't want to offend. You don't want to hurt. You don't want to, to make them feel uncomfortable. And, and, and I think this is probably where many in so many churches have become because we want to be light. We want to be accepted. So, so we, we water down the truth because we don't want to offend anybody. In church, we live in the most offended society that's ever been. But I'd rather offend you to keep you from going to hell than to love you all, all the way into hell. I'd rather you be offended and turn your life around to accept Jesus Christ and know the errors of your way and spend eternity with him than to so-called love you all the way into eternal separation. It's so important that we realize that we're living and we should be living step and step with God. In his timing. And the enemy, just like he was trying to get Jesus sidetracked to get ahead of God, so the enemy's trying to sidetrack you and I to get out of step with God and in step with the world. Your mission. You don't live, you don't want to live aimlessly, you want to live a life. With the mission. Jesus told his brothers, the world can't hate you. Why? Because when you do as the world, then the world's in agreement with you. But when you're living to please God, the world will hate you. Jesus said, the world hates me because I accuse it of doing evil. Church, some people are merely walking through life and not living their lives. Many people are just walking through life. And not living their lives. Church, I want to live my life. I want to live my life for the glory of God. Jesus looked at his brothers and said, brothers, you blend in with the world. So the world can't take notice whether you are, you're just one of them. Church, I don't want to blend in. I want to be light and I want to be salt. Can somebody say amen? Which brings us to our last final point. Learning the voice of God. Now, I say this because I want you to see in this passage what Jesus said his, and my time has not yet come. Jesus was walking in tune with the Spirit of God, just like you and I. He's demonstrating to you and I how one walks in tune with the Lord. you got to learn to hear the voice of God. So he didn't go right up at that moment, but it tells us after his brothers left, then he went secretly. Knowing there was a release in his spirit. The spirit of God was guiding him, and then he went. Learn the voice of God in your life. Learn to be able to distinguish the voice of God in your life. 
You have to learn when it is God speaking and when it's not God speaking. You have to learn when it is the voice of God speaking and when it's the voice of the world speaking. So I want to take you to the Old Testament. So write this name, Elijah. I want to show you a story that demonstrates learning the voice of God. It's found in 1 Kings 19. You read verses 9 through 13. It says, the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one Left. You ever felt like that? You were the only one in the workplace. You were the only one in your family. You're the only one. Sometimes you can find yourself feeling like Elijah. And he says, they're trying to kill me too. Verse 11, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak. He went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? There was a mighty windstorm, but the Lord was not in the windstorm. There was an earthquake. Great phenomenon taking place, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. There was the fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. However, after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he recognized it. He wrapped his face. He went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Let's talk about discerning God's activity. There are many things that look like the activity of God. Did you hear me? It looks like the activity of God. There are many things that sound like the activity of God. It looks like it. It sounds like it. There are many things that have the appearance of the activity of God. However, there is only one gentle voice. The King James, a small, still voice. And church, we have to learn not to be moved by anything but that still, small voice of God. We are not on our agenda. We are on God's agenda. We're on a mission. And what we've got to learn to do in this perilous time that we're living in is to know the voice 
of God. It's not always in the phenomenon. It's not always in the boisterous. It's not always in the appearance. It's not always even when it sounds right. But it's in that still, small voice. You'll recognize it. It's the anointing of God. Know the voice of God for your life. Know how God speaks to you. One fundamental truth is this. He will never contradict his word. He'll never tell you to do something that is contrary to the written word. So if you feel like somebody needs to hear that, I don't know, somebody needs to hear this. If you feel like God's telling you to do something uh, and it's not, and it's contrary to the word of God, it's not the spirit of God telling you. It might be your emotions. I shouldn't say it, but it might be your hormones. Well, God just led him to my life. God just brought him in my life. Oh, I know he's sent from God. And you're shacking up. Hear me. God does not contradict his word. Can you say amen? Woo! We're going to preach today. Come on. What I'm simply saying is this. There's so many things in our life that the enemy wants to do to get us sidetracked off our course. But you're living life with a mission. You're living life with a purpose. Don't let the enemy sidetrack you with what glitters. If it's God, he'll wait for you. If it's God, she'll wait for you. If it's God, they'll make it right. They'll get it right. They'll say, hey, we're, we're, not, we're not doing, we got to get things biblical. Let's get it biblical, amen. If it's God, it's going to begin to line up. Can you say amen? But the enemy's doing his best to get you to live in your feelings, to get you distracted. And God says, I'm, I'm directing your steps because you're light and you're salt. And there's a world that's dying. And you might be the only Jesus they ever see. You might be the only Bible they ever read. Can come on, live and walk in God's timing. Musicians, will you come? Living and walking in God's timing does not mean there won't be troubles, hardships, or trials. But it does mean there'll be appointed times where God will suddenly move and bring provision. Maybe you're here and you, you're tired of living life on your own terms. Why not surrender to the life of Jesus? Why not live your life on his terms? See, well, pastor's going to make some hard decisions. It's true. There may be some hard decisions. You might have to pay two rents instead of one for a little while. But that's okay. God's going to help you. You might, you might have to withdraw from some friendships that are dragging you down. That's okay. God's going to help you. You might have some business alliances that are, that are ungodly, and, and, and God might be calling you to, to something higher, and you might have to break some of those businesses. It may cost you financially for a little while, but when you line yourself up with God, guess what God's going to do? God is going to restore 
God's going to do above and beyond. Live your life on God's terms. You know, Jesus was betrayed by those who were close to him. You know, maybe, maybe somebody close to you has hurt you. Maybe, maybe a family member has betrayed you. Maybe that wound is so deep. You just don't know how you can move on. Can I tell you, Jesus shows us how to move forward. Why not surrender and live God's way? Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I love you. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you. Gracious Heavenly Father, your presence is so real. Your presence is dear to our life. And Lord, I pray, I pray for the courage of those under the sound of my voice, whether they're in person or whether at home, the courage to respond. As our head is bowed, our eyes are closed. I simply want to ask this question. Maybe there's some things in your life that are not lining up with the word of God. And I just simply want you just to say, Lord, help me to bring my life into alignment with your word. I'm not telling you to make any decision right now except for help me to bring my life in alignment with your word. The Lord will show you how that works out, how that is to happen. He may show you tomorrow. He may show you next week. He may show you two weeks from now or next month. And I don't know if I'm talking to a business person. I don't know if I'm talking to just an individual or whatever. But you want your life to line up with the word. You realize there's some things that's not quite lining up. And you want to line up your life to the word. Because you know the favor and the blessings of God is there. Whether you're at home or whether you're in person, will you respond by lifting your hand toward heaven and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Because I want my life to line up with your word. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, God. Yes, God, I see that hand. Yes. Yes, God. Now, Lord, I know there, that means there's some tough conversations. There's some, some decisions that got to be made. There's some things that's got to happen. And, Lord, I pray. I pray that you'll give them strength and courage to do it. It means coming to the end of ourselves and saying yes to the Lord. So, Father, give them strength. You're here today and you'll say, Pastor, I want to live my life with God's purpose. I want to recognize I'm on a mission from God. My steps are ordered from the Lord. So, so I, want to, I want to live out that mission. I want to live out that purpose. If that's you all across this auditorium at home, will you raise your hands to the Lord and say, I want to live out my purpose and my mission to God? Yes. Can we stand together right now?